Hi everyone, welcome into the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report, another Facebook Live edition for you. We made it to the weekend, Cindy Robinson, John DeShazer, I'm Daniel Salerson. We have plenty to get to as we'll preview Saints and Redskins at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome on Sunday. And of course, the Pelicans are in action tonight against the Denver Nuggets. It's a late one, 9.30 on ESPN. But guys, we've had a, a very good weekends these past few times we've had saints and pelicans wins uh we're still undefeated i think since we've done this facebook live show just saying as far as the weekends as go. far as yes. the weekends go. <laughs> as far as the weekends go we have had some good predictions for sure no doubt all right let's talk about the saints game against the redskins on sunday it's a seven and two saints winners of seven in a row against the redskins four and five on the season but jd this is a redskins team that have beat has beaten good teams so far they've been the rams on the road they've been the seahawks on the road I don't think the Saints are going to take this game lightly at all. Look, they're a pretty good team. And the last time the Saints saw them, now that was a couple of years ago, so both teams are significantly different. But they laid a pretty good beating on the Saints. Now, do you remember that if you're the Saints? Most of these guys weren't around, so it probably doesn't count. However, we do know that Washington is, as you mentioned, a pretty good team. When It, you know, it doesn't show necessarily record-wise, but they've had some significant wins. And they like nothing better, obviously, than to come here and win a game on the road, break the Saints' seven-game winning streak. You know, who wouldn't want to do that? So you know, it's a team to be wary of. Um, they've got a really good quarterback, Kirk Cousins, who's going into his free agency year. Again, he's been <laughs> franchise player the last couple of years. Uh, I think they're not going to franchise him this year. I don't think they can. It means he's going to be a free agent on the market. By the way, Drew Brees is going to be on the market, too, but we're not going to talk about yeah, that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, they have a really good offense. Um, they throw it deep. Now, they don't have Deshaun Jackson anymore. He's with Tampa Bay, thank goodness. So um, that takes something away from their offense. They don't have a great running game right now. Robert Kelly, former Tulane kid, um, will not be playing in this game. Ryan Grant, the receiver from Tulane, looks like he will be playing. He's concussion protocol, but he was limited in practice, so looks like he probably will play this weekend. But again, it goes back to Kirk Cousins with that offense, and they have a defense that's pretty opportunistic. They get takeaways, so obviously the Saints want to hold on to the ball. They've had some difficulty doing that. Even during their seven-game winning streak, they had some games where they've turned it over a little bit more than they want to, but fortunately for them, they've been able to create turnovers also. So it'll be a good matchup in the Superdome. Now the Saints have added two new components, we'll say, to the team in a coach and a running back, right? Yeah, added a coach, uh, Mike Westoff, special teams coach, who's uh, kind of legendary in the NFL. Um, 30 years of NFL experience coaching, and uh, he's going to come in and oversee the entire special teams operations because, you know, let's be honest here, the Saints have had some difficulties in their special teams, whether it's the snap hole kick, uh, whether it's, you know, missing field goals or, or PATs, whether it's um, bumbling punts. Uh, they muffed, you know, I think three Ted Ginn Juniors muffed a couple, and, and Willie Sneed, uh, he also had a muff. Uh, so they've had some special teams busts that they need to correct. Uh, even though they're seven and two, and even though they won seven straight, you want to make sure that each and every facet of the team is as strong as the others. Because you know, if you've got a weak link, at some point it's going to show up big. And it's going to cost you a game. And so the Saints have been fortunate that the special teams has not cost them a game yet. Um, but it came pretty close to, to being a significant part of the Chicago game where they had the two muff punts and they had the missed field goal and they also had the botched kickoff return. So those are some elements that hopefully Westoff can help with. Uh, as far as the new running back, that would be Jonathan Williams, and he's an addition to the special teams. Um, you had to have another running back pretty much because when Daniel Lasko got injured and he's got the bulging disc, had to have surgery, when he got injured and got, went on the injured reserve, that took away the fourth running back. And the Saints, and probably every team in the NFL, has to have four running backs because the, the position just 
breeds attrition. You get guys nicked up, they get injured, uh, they're not able to go 100%, they have, have to sit out some games. So the Saints bring in Jonathan Williams to take Daniel Lasko's spot. Uh, doubt if he'll run it a whole lot because Daniel mm -hmm. Lasko didn't. Mm -hmm. And they've got a guy as a number three running back, Trey Edmonds, who looked pretty good against Buffalo last week. However, he will be a special teams addition. That's where he's going to make his mark on this team. And uh, he was pretty happy to get the call. Yeah, and he has some familiarity um, with this team as his running back coach in college was Joel Thomas, and he is the coach now here for the New Orleans Saints. Jonathan Williams did speak with the New Orleans media on Wednesday. Here's what he had to say about joining the black and gold. Well, first off, welcome to New Orleans. Um, what were you doing when you got the call, and what are your thoughts now? Uh, it was a, a weird process when I got the call just because uh, Atlanta had called before and thought I was going there, and then the Saints called. and Just weighing the options, you know, you know I'm – I like the, the organization here, the atmosphere here. Uh, Coach Thomas was a guy that coached me at Arkansas, so I was familiar with him too, so uh, it was a great fit. Well, Joel had to jump in on the process. How much did he, was he able to persuade you? Uh, he was big in the process. Like I said, uh, he was my running back coach in college, so I was familiar with him and his family and the way he coaches, so uh, it made the decision easy. Yeah. Now to come here for, to a 72 team, uh, to fill in for a guy who was on the active roster and you know your role here, but you know, what are your expectations? Uh, just come in and work and help this team continue the streak. You know, however that is, uh, whether it's special teams or whatever role it is, I just want to be able to come in and fit in and, and help this team keep rolling. Now, are you pretty adept at special teams? Is that a role you're accustomed to playing? Uh, yeah, I played a little bit of special teams in, at Buffalo. Uh, not a whole lot, but uh, like I said, I'm willing to do whatever uh, I need to do to help this team continue to win. Have you known much about this team this season? I mean, obviously, you know, a seven-game winning streak doesn't go unnoticed, but had you known much about them before they gave you the call? Yeah, I did. Like I said, Coach Thomas is a guy that um, I, I, was, I got coached by in Arkansas, so, you know, me and him kept in touch here and there, so um, I definitely used to watch him, and, and being a former player at the Bills, I definitely watched the last game and saw – uh, you know, how they ran up and down the field against them. So um, it's definitely a team that I still uh, watched out for. Just um, apologize if you already answered this one, but Coach mentioned that uh, you had offers from a couple teams just made the Saints the move. Mm. I'm sorry. Oh, Coach said you had offers from a couple teams. Just what made the Saints the move for you? Um, the atmosphere of the team. Um, Coach Thomas played a, a huge role in that. He was my running back coach in college, so I was familiar with his coaching style and what his expectations um, Coach Payton actually called me, and, and that was big. Um, they showed that you know, they really wanted me. So uh, the seven-game win streak, you know, it's a lot of different factors that they came together to make this the perfect situation. I'm excited to be here. And just what kind of, what do they, you know, talk to you about as far as your role that they envision for you? Um, you know, teaching me a little bit of the offense, you know, parts of it, um, learning special teams as well. So um, I'm, really, I'm willing to do whatever it, it takes for me to help this team continue the streak. Um, and keep winning games. That's pretty short notice, but can you be game ready for Sunday? I can. I can. Like I said, like Coach Thomas, the reason that was a, a big reason uh, why I wanted to come here. I'm used to the way he teaches. He he's a real good teacher of the of the game. You know, he's gonna have a couple plays for me, and you know, specific things uh, um, in the offense that you know, I can learn and be ready to to play and play fast. So um, I think it's a great situation to be in. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. And, of course, remember Sheldon Rankins last week with that big interception in the win over Buffalo. And, J.D., you're, you're starting to see the, pro the progression in Sheldon Rankins. And, one, I didn't think he had that kind of speed after he had that <laughs> interception. But 
he was running down that field. It looked impressive. Uh, I don't know if he's ready for the running back drills just no. yet. <laughs> but uh, big rank, as they like to call him, or Shaba, as Cam Jordan likes to call him, uh, got his first career in interception. And he had some flashbacks. You know, guys usually have played fullback or running back at some points in their lives. So he did look pretty nimble for a big fella. Uh, his, st his stats don't necessarily show the effectiveness he's had this season. And a lot of times that happens at defensive tackle. I mean, you know, we look at the Aaron Donalds of the world, and those guys are kind of freakish in that they get a ton of sacks and, you know, they get the really nice, flashy statistics. Sheldon doesn't necessarily need to do that for this team, but his impact obviously is felt by his defensive line teammates. They love him to death, and uh, he's a pretty good character, too. He also spoke to the media on Wednesday following practice. He's, here's what he had to say leading into the game against the Redskins on Sunday. At this level, you know, your window of opportunity is so small. Uh, so when you have something special, you got to cherish it. And I think he sees that he's going to do everything he can to get every ounce of, of, of ability uh, out of all of us. Do you think it helps that you said there's guys around who have won before? Do you think it helps how many people in this locker room have been through three straight seven and nine seasons? Are they some of the ones? Yeah, I, 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 yeah I, I think it does help because, you know, those are the same guys who, you know, listen to everyone say Saints defense is terrible. It's the worst we've ever seen. Those are the same guys who, who are a part of that defense. So, you know, I think uh, it does help because, you know, like I said they've, they've, they've been at the lowest point. They've, they've, they've seen it all, done it all. And, and now to be able to experience the success, you know, they're happy about it. But at the same time, they're like, hold on, wait a minute. You know, we're not quite there yet. So I think it, you know, kind of reigns, you know, us young guys in, you know, sometimes and, and allows us to keep moving forward day by day and try to get better. So is it easy to manage that emotion now that you guys are having success? Is it easy to manage it and kind of and keep it in check? Uh, I, I think it's easier than, than than a lot of people make it. You know, I think, uh, like I said, I mean, you know, seven and two is great, but you know, seven and two isn't the end of the season. You know, so I think guys understand that. You know, we still have, you know, a tough road ahead. We still got to play Atlanta twice. Still got to play Carolina again. Uh, Tampa's a division opponent again. Um, you know, Washington this week. You know, the Rams are clicking on all cylinders as well. So I mean, we still have a tough road ahead, but we got to take it one week at a time and and just try to improve each week and, and go one and zero each week. Yeah, didn't get a chance to talk to you after the game, but did you get a flashback? Uh, you know, some fullback moves there. Or what? Yeah, yeah, man. When the the ball hit my hands, it just kind of you know nat natural natural ability took over and natural instincts, and I, I was just I smelled the pylon and I was trying to get there. Uh, came up three yards short, but I'll take it. My guy Mark got his first uh, career three touchdown game, so hey, I'm I'm happy. You taking running back drills this week? Uh, they haven't said anything about it yet, but I will not decline if they ask me to do so. I'll say that. Moving on to the Pelicans, Wednesday night's game against the Raptors wasn't exactly what they were expecting, but we did have Rajon Rondo playing a little bit more minutes than he did on Monday's night, and he started. So, JD, we're having a few issues, turnovers being one of them, but what else did you see that caused that loss? Well, they managed to actually t cut down on the turnovers. They got down from an average of 21 a game from the previous two down to 14. So they managed to handle that somewhat. And Rondo probably had something to do with that. Uh, he's a pretty good caretaker of the ball. What, what the Pels have had right now is they've been unable to defend the three effectively. Uh, the previous two opponents, Atlanta, and then they come back again against Toronto. And those guys combined for 33 for, for 70 from three-point range. That's 47%. 
and that's too high on any level. You, that's too high in bitty ball. I mean, so you can get to the NBA and when you shoot it that well. That means you're not defending it particularly well. Now, I know Coach Gentry postgame was not very happy that his two um, star players were on the bench for much of that. But you know what? It doesn't matter who's on the floor. You've got to be able to defend that three-point line, especially when you see the opponent is effectively making those threes. And they paid for it these last couple of games. Having Rondo back, though, gave you some glimpses of what this team could be. Now, I don't know if they'll be this every game or if they'll be this for 48 minutes every game, but he, his mentality and his mindset, I think forces everyone into an unselfish mindset and gets the ball movement and everybody's you know, making cuts and they're moving off the ball and they're being extremely unselfish with one another. We saw that for the entire first half when he was in there and really the offense uh, stagnated a lot when he went to the bench. Uh, for the second half, he was on that minutes restriction. He only played 14 minutes, but he had eight assists during those 14 minutes. And I think he only had one turnover. So he looked very crisp in his efforts out there. Now, is, is every game going to be an eight assist, one turnover game? Of course not. I mean, he's not going to play that clean every game. But the mentality, mentality that he brings to the team in that the extra pass is a great pass. You pass up a good shot to get a teammate a great shot. And I think that rubbed off, and we saw a lot of that when he was on the floor. So hopefully that will be something that we'll continue to see when he's playing. So the Pelicans fell to the Raptors on Wednesday night, 125-116, to still 2-1 and one on the homestand, and we'll get ready for the Denver Nuggets tonight. In Denver, after the game, head coach Alvin Gentry and Darius Miller spoke to the media. Coach, I'm looking over the box score, and on a strange night, it, it seems to point to three-point numbers tonight. Is it, is it as simple as that in the loss here against Toronto? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I think they, uh, I mean, obviously, if you look at the box, we shot the ball well and uh, uh, shot the ball well from three. And But, you know, we, you know, they, they it's plus 18 from three, and that was kind of the difference in the game. <laughs> Other than the fact that our two best players were sitting on the bench for most of the first half with foul trouble. Coach, when you took the floor again in the second half, can you describe what the third quarter was like? It seemed to be different than some of the other quarters that you played tonight. No, they just, uh, you know, they, they, they uh, did a really good job of putting us in screen and roll, uh, uh, made some shots, uh, DeRozan made shots, and uh, that's, where they got, that's where they got the separation. And then we were playing uphill the rest of the way. Coach, how did it look with Rondo starting tonight? I thought he was fine. You know, obviously you look at his numbers and, at eight, eight assists in a very limited minutes and just the pace of the game change and you know just he's very good at quarterback in the game and understanding you know where our advantages and everything are and I thought he did a good job uh, when he was out there but it's hard to do that when your best two players are sitting on the bench in foul trouble. Is it a defensive deficiency tonight in the perimeter or was that just a high No they, they shot the ball well you know they did a really good job and uh, you know, I thought they played well, and I thought we were playing well until our best two players were sitting on the bench in foul trouble. Do you think uh, there's something in particular you guys have to do to defend the three-point line a little bit better? Well, I mean, we most of most of them were uh, challenge threes, so you know, some team shoots it well, and this is one of the teams that shoot it well. They hadn't been, but you know, they they've been a much better shooting team uh, than they have in the past. And, you know, maybe if our best two players weren't in foul trouble, you know, we maybe could have challenged more of them. How many times, and was there something you saw? I mean, you know, those calls were bullshit? Didn't say anything about the calls at all. I just said it's hard for us to play without our best two players on the floor. Darius, when you look at this one, it started off so hot for the Pelicans. Where did it get away? 
Um, they made a lot of shots. We gave them a lot of open looks. Um, some some things in turnovers, but it's just all stuff that we can correct. I feel like um, it was mostly our fault, but they're a good team. They came out ready even after a back-to-back, and um, they, they took care of business. How can you de- defend the uh, three-point line better? They were really hot from beyond the mark. Um, I think a lot of it was a uh, communication, just stuff we need to work on within, like I said, within ourselves. But uh, I think it's something that we'll get fixed and take care of. So, with Rajon being in that first unit, it, it introduced different personnel in the second unit. With each one being there, was that a bit of an adjustment, learning to play together? Um, I don't, I don't think so, really. I don't think so. Um, but um, I mean. I feel like we've had enough time together where we all know each other's game and can play and play off of each other. So I don't really think so. I just think it was uh, one of those nights, honestly. What, what do you think of Rajon playing more minutes tonight, being able to get as many assists and make plays? I mean, you've seen the effect that he had on the game and on, on such a short amount of time. So uh, we're just waiting for him to get back. Uh, everybody knows how good of a player he is. And um, I think the leadership role that he brings will, will help us on the court, too. All right, so next up for the Pelicans, the 8-6 and six Denver Nuggets tonight in Denver, Colorado. Just a one-game road trip in J.D., a Nuggets team that is 8-6. Uh, probably will be battling with the Pelicans all year long for a playoff spot. Uh, a game that, uh, not a must-win, but a game that you probably need to get. Well, you'd like to win it if you're the Pelicans. Yeah. I mean, you're half game behind them, so that's a team that you are going to be uh, forced to deal with the entire season. Denver is a nice, up-and-coming, young team. And these are the type teams that the Pels really need to beat. These teams, uh, teams like Atlanta, the teams that you're supposed to be, the teams you're even with, and hopefully steal a couple from the teams ahead of you in the standings, those are the kind of wins that get you in the playoffs. Uh, Denver has some young talent. We know they've got Jamal Murray. They've got Moutier, uh, the point guard. They also have Jokic, who is a formidable big, extremely versatile. And fortunately, the Pels have some formidable bigs to deal with them in Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. But by no means will this be an easy game for the Pels. They usually have trouble with Denver in Denver. Uh, I don't know if it's the altitude, but look, it is a distinguished advantage. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, you get there, and players notice it. You, it takes you know, maybe a quarter or so, a half a quarter, to kind of get that burn together and get your, 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 you know, your, your win together up there at that altitude. So hopefully the Pels will be ready for them on, on tonight. Thanks for the update, J.D. Coming up next, I sat down with the head of the New Orleans Business Alliance to talk about the new company coming, DXC Technology, and how the Saints and Pelicans were an influence in this move. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Messer. Thank you for having me. Okay, so the city of New Orleans has had quite a week. Indeed, we have. Can you tell us what is DXC Technologies? But first of all, I want to congratulate the Saints and the Pelicans. It's good to have winning teams. So we began with the Saints victory, but DXC Technology made an incredible announcement on Monday. DXC Technology is the combination of Legacy HP, Legacy Computer Science Corporation. So you basically have two of the most iconic names in high tech coming together to create a Fortune 250 company. And what they're going to develop here in New Orleans is a digital transformation center which simply means that they are committed to leveraging digital innovation technology to make all industry, whether it's healthcare, whether it's um, cybersecurity, more effective and make it more uh, customer facing and, and better for all of us as, as citizens. So how will it impact the city and the state of Louisiana? That's a great question. I mean, the better question may be how won't it impact it? I mean, when you can bring over 2,000 direct jobs, and these are high-paying jobs, paying over $60,000, that will lead to more than um, 
an equal number of indirect jobs, and then the induced jobs, whether it's the sandwich shop, whether it's the dry cleaner, you have thousands of jobs that are gonna come. And further, what this says is New Orleans is diversifying beyond just um, some of our core legacy industries which are critically important. We are validating the fact that New Orleans is a high-tech hub. And it's not just New Orleans, it's the entire Gulf South region. Uh, and it also involves, the great thing about this company is they were critically wanting to focus on developing human capital. So this is gonna be tremendous for our higher ed institutions, whether it be our two and four year universities, uh, whether they be public or private, whether they be uh, HBCU or, or, or predominantly white institutions. So this is gonna be an incredible win. And I think we're gonna look back on this day um, 10 years from now, hopefully we'll be celebrating a Super Bowl win um, for the Saints and then hopefully our Pelicans will hold up the O'Brien Trophy and then we'll say, man, DXC technology was a big part of that. Yes, that would be amazing for sure. I'm a huge sports fan. So. I can tell. That's good though. This is a sports show. so well, you know. <laughs> You're living my fantasy. That's Am what I, I really would rather be doing. Am I? Yes. We can switch. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so how long was the process of getting DXC technology and what was the role of New Orleans Business Alliance? So it's a great question. So this process actually began uh, almost two years ago. And typically what happens is the state of Louisiana through their um, Department of Economic Development, LED, will work with companies. Um, and DXC hired a consultant who basically said, we're looking to open a, this digital transformation center. Over 30 plus cities throughout the country raised their hand and said, hey, pick us, pick us. Right. And then what happens, you have a down selection. So that 36 is whittled down to 10. And then again, it's whittled from 10 to six. At six, it basically came, the state of Louisiana said, hey, look, we've got two cities that make sense for you, Baton Rouge and New Orleans. So once it becomes focused on New Orleans, that's when we at the New Orleans Business Alliance gets involved. And we basically say, hey, look, we believe that there's no other city in America that's more compelling for companies that want to have high impact, want to be around uh, millennials, and want to be a part of a city that's creative, vibrant, and has a global uh, brand recognition. So that's how we got involved, and we got involved almost a year ago. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So without the New Orleans Business Alliance, we may not have this. I would never <laughs> say without, I mean, it was a, as, as with everything in athletics and in life, it's a team effort. Um, it took the state, um, from our governor, John Bell Edwards, to our secretary of economic development, Don Pearson, to our mayor, Mayor Mitchell Andrew, to our city's um, department of economic development, our partners at GNO Inc. So it was a collaborative effort with higher ed. The Saints and Pelicans were incredibly helpful. SMG was incredibly helpful. Um, it takes a lot of people to basically say to a Fortune 250 company, you've got all these other cities out there pick us and um, we are grateful to um, the entire Saints and Pelicans organization for their help in this process as well. So for those who may not know, because I know I didn't, I'm new to the, to the state and the city, mm -hmm. what is the New Orleans Business Alliance? So that's a great question and sometimes I even ask myself that. <laughs> now the New Orleans Business Alliance is a public-private partnership that is focused on growing the New Orleans economy and, and providing quality jobs and wealth creating opportunities for all New Orleanians. So we are the people that every time that there is a business opportunity, we want to make that opportunity come here to New Orleans. And so that's our role in this process. And when was it started? So the New Orleans Business Alliance was started in 2010. It was a public-private partnership between um, city government led by Mayor Landry and the business community. Um, and we have uh, 
been in existence ever since. So how are the Pelicans and the Saints involved? Well, the Pelican Saints have been involved in really three ways. One, I think showing the support of corporate leadership when you have folks like Dennis Lausha and Ben Hales coming to meetings and basically engaging the company and welcoming them with open arms in the business community. Secondly, uh, we were one of the things we were doing, you can't reveal all your secrets, it's like revealing your, your, all, the all the game plays, you can't tell everything. But the Saints and Pelicans were a big part of providing a very unique um, experience for the company when they were in the selection process. And last, I think the Saints and Pelicans are going to be a critical part of welcoming the company and helping them become enculturated to New Orleans. So we're very excited for their partnership. When you're recruiting businesses, mm -hmm. how often is it that the Saints and the Pelicans help influence? I think there it's, it's as often as we ask. And I think the onus is on us, on us to ask more often because I can't tell you how appreciative and open Dennis and Ben and the rest of the, the Saints Pelican family have been. So really the onus is on us. They're always there. And I tell you, having a winning team really helps a lot because that brings national awareness. Oh, New Orleans, the Saints, right. or the Pelicans, and Anthony Davis, and Drew Brees, and all the other wonderful uh, men who are a part of the athletic teams really help with the, the national consciousness. You, you wouldn't believe how many businessmen and businesswomen who are incredible sports fans, and many of them have Drew Brees as their starting quarterback <laughs> in their fantasy football team. <laughs> You can't go wrong there. Yeah, you can't go wrong. <laughs> I, I always try to draft him, but he's already gone already. by the time I get there. Got to move faster than there that. There you go. There you go. So clearly you are a sports fan. I'm a huge sports and fan. And we are a sports show. Yes. So can you please give us some Saints and Pelicans predictions for the rest? We'll say for Saints, let's give a year prediction. Like, what are we thinking here? Um, I'm thinking that it's very clear that we are probably going to go to the NFC Championship game. Um, I feel very confident about that. The defense is playing well. I think you've got some great balance on offense. Uh, you got to love the way Coach Payton is integrating uh, Mark Ingram and Kamar. Um, the the, the uh, com conversion rate on third down is, is highly exceptional. We're not turning the ball over. The defense is really with, with um, Cameron Jordan and the secondary is really coming together. The key is to stay injury free. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I think that certainly the, NFL, uh, the NFC Championship game uh, is definitely within reach. On the Pelicans, I mean, the West is rugged. Yeah. But when you really look at um, our big man duo with, with Boogie and AD, when those guys are rolling, there is no one that, they, they are a matchup nightmare. Mm -hmm. And I think the key is going to be uh, Drew Holiday and, and Rondo's health. I will also tell you that I, I was at the game last night, it, it wasn't a win, but I was very encouraged because when you looked at that second unit, that's a second unit that can really compete and score. You're not going to have a lot of drop-off once you go to the second and fourth quarters when you have those substitute at the um, quarter change. We might have to add him to our black and blue report. <laughs> well, I, I, like I said, my, my wife would love because she said, you missed your calling because she said, if I can get you off the couch and <laughs> finally earn some money to do something valuable with this sports knowledge, that would be helpful. But I would love to come back and break down film with, with anybody because, I mean, this – there is nothing, and I will say this, that uh, we're really grateful for the leadership of the Benson family as civic leaders and what they're doing in the local business community, bringing back Dixie Beer, you know, stepping up the Saints and Pelicans has been tremendous. But there is nothing that builds character and teamwork more than, more than competitive sports. So we're yes. really grateful to what the Saints and Pelicans are doing in our community. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. Of course.
All right, time to wrap things up here from the Auctioner Sports Performance Center. A busy weekend for both the Pelicans and the Saints tonight. Pelicans and Nuggets, it's a late one, 9.30. It will be broadcast on ESPN nationally, locally on the radio, News Talk 99.5 WRNO. I'll have the pregame for you at 9 o'clock. And then Sean Kelly and Victor Howell will have the call at 9.30. Then don't forget about Sunday. Saints and Redskins from the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Saints look for eight in a row. Join Sean Kelly, John DeShazer, and Mike Haas pregame at 9.45 on NewOrleansSaints.com in the Saints mobile app. And then Saints and Redskins at noon on Fox. And then also locally on the radio on WWL. And then don't forget, Sean Kelly will have a recap for you on the Saints postgame show presented by Verizon. And hopefully on Monday, we'll be talking about a Pelicans win against the Nuggets and a Saints win against the Redskins. For Cindy Robinson, John DeShazer, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for watching the Black and Blue Report.